wasn't this just rich, rich ministry? Rich, rich. You know, the, the word I kept hearing in my spirit as they were sharing, I just was incarnation. You know, the, I love a plan, I love a strategy, I love a curriculum, but there is no substitute for face-to-face -face the living gospel, an epistle known. And, and if you combine those two things, you've got, you've got, you've got hot bread, you know, but that's what, that's what I was, my walk away. But anyway, uh, some of you have gotten to know Pastor Chad, amen, isn't he a great guy? And uh, certainly brings uh, a lot to the table. When I first met him, he was still living in Thailand. For how many years were you in Thailand? 17 years. 17 years. So he earned his stripes, <laughs> and I remember when I heard he was coming back to the States, uh, I asked him if he'd just spend a little bit of time with me, and we sat down at PJ's and had yeah, coffee. Remember that? Reserve. And uh, boy, I, I just kind of hit his vision button, and he just rolled out. And I walked out, I mean, this guy's got it. I mean, I'm, you know, as Pastor Rick said, it's not all clear and perfect, but, but you know, he was tracking, you know. So I thought it would be good for us because I believe one of the, the great things that's going to engulf us in the next years, not just in NRP, but the charismatic church is large because so many churches that were started in our lifetime, in my lifetime, uh, are going to have to go through transition. And the transition failure rate is pretty high, guys. It's pretty high. It's high from the standpoint of churches that cease to exist and it's high from the standpoint of churches that do not carry the DNA that was sown into them and will eventually fail or turn into something else with the best intention. So I, I, we, we need to be learners. It is never too soon to start building a transition plan and having a transition mentality. So I'm just going to ask Chad a couple questions, and uh, uh, we'll go from there, okay? So here I got a couple questions for you, Chad. Uh, Chad, you've been at this three years now. Three years, right? That's correct. That's yeah. amazing, huh? Has it gone fast? It has, yes. As the senior pastor, of course, he took over for his father, but he was living in Thailand, okay, and then came back over. Uh, how, how's it going? Give us, a, give us the, the, the two-minute version of how it's going. Well, obviously, any transition is, is challenging and, and has the issues that you grapple with, and then you throw in a pandemic, and... Uh, it makes it extra challenging. And I look at pictures of me from five years ago, like, man, I got a lot more gray hair now than I used to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have to say, it really has gone, I think, really extremely well, uh, as best really as I think it, it can go. Um, and, um, and obviously, my dad, one of my heroes sitting over here. Yay for Jerry. Jerry. Amen. He and, he and I are very similar in some ways and also very different in some ways. And so... Um, but we've been able to really kind of being able to have honest heart-to-heart -heart conversation about what we want to see in the church going forward, and I think we've accomplished a lot through that. So our church, through the pandemic and all of that, uh, has held steady and actually can grown uh, every year on year, which we look at year on year growth for us. Um, and so actually looking where we were before the pandemic and where we are now, we're, you know, a, a much larger church, and I feel stronger church coming out of the pandemic than Amen. we're going in. Awesome. Uh, Chad, uh, what were the most beneficial things that were done behind the scenes 
as you were waiting to step in that were done behind the scenes, you, in your estimation now looking back, to get the church ready? Well, again, my dad did really did an excellent job with preparing our church for the transition, even before either one of us realized it was going to be me that was doing it. Um, did you guys hear that? That is the most getting the soil ready for the seed is a critical. Go ahead. I'm yes. sorry to interrupt you. No, no, it's no, no <laughs> that's absolutely. And and so this was a process of years that he prepared our church and the leadership for this, and they were ongoing conversations with the leadership of who's the next guy and what that, what is that going to look like? And my dad was very honest with the elders, even though they were part of the decision process, he was very honest with them. Hey, look, guy, the new guy coming in is going to have his own ideas. He's going to maybe want his, uh, his own set of elders and leaders, and you guys are going to be okay with that, you know, and there can't be anybody, you know, you know, pouting in the corner and pitching a fit and splitting the church because, you know, your, your role in the, in the church changes. And so, um, he was very upfront with them about that, and th even those who were on staff with us saying, you know, when, when, when it eventually became known that I was going to become the pastor, hey, I want you to understand that he's going to be making his decisions, he's eventually going to want his guys in place, and you need to be okay with that. So I think it's safe to say that, I mean, I know your church a little bit, you know, and some of the high-quality guys that have been by your dad's side for years, that they bought into the process and the product even before they bought into who the person would be. Absolutely, yeah. And again, my dad, I think, did an excellent job with that, not only talking with the leader, but the church at whole, at large, of, I'm not going to be doing this till I die. I'm not going to, like, have a heart attack in the pulpit one day and fall over. And, you know, I'm eventually going to be turning this over to a guy in the next generation. And so people were not only okay with that, but I think in some sense expecting it and looking for it. Okay, so in any transition there are people that are not gonna go with the flow is the nicest way to say it. Yeah. Uh, it may be lack of vision, it may be, I, I like what Pastor Rick said about kingdom loyalty and misplaced loyalty. I thought that was very, very important for us to hear as people that really respect, you know, and, and know authority is a big deal to know where our ultimate allegiance is. So how, th how was that dealt with, potential people that, that he or you were seeing saying this this could be a problem. Can you give us any insight on on that? Yeah, we had we had talks about that and just said, okay, I'm not sure about so and so. We're gonna have to see how this goes. And then once I had moved back and I was actually on staff of the church again in the process, because we did a six month of my dad's still the pastor, I'm preaching once a month, and, and then after the six months was, you know, we did a whole nother year of now him preaching once a month and I was being becoming more visible and and so in that process we actually had one of our elders act in a way that was unkind and unloving put something on Facebook criticizing somebody and I, we were sat in the office and I said you see that dad that is not acceptable and in, if in six months I have to remove them from being elders I want you to understand why and he said I'm gonna talk to him and so he talked I didn't have to talk to him he talked to him and said you need to take that off of Facebook. That is not acceptable for somebody who's a mm -hmm. spokesperson for our church. Uh, and they did. They honored that. But, again, that was something. And I have to say, in their credit, those people, they, they, they understood it. They course corrected. And they haven't had a problem with mm -hmm. that since. Mm -hmm. um, so he helped take care of some Good. of those things. And, you know, that's the antithesis of, of the normal church transition. Often when a church is going through a transition, it's not being vision-driven. It's being problem-driven. And somebody's handing off the problem to the poor next guy. 
And so one of your roles as a senior guy is always to try to flatten the field out as much as you can. There, there's always going to be bumps in it. But when you know there is something that needs to be dealt with, uh, like for me personally in our last transition, it wasn't a big problem. The church had some debt. I wanted that debt eliminated. It was a manageable debt, but in my spirit, I wanted that gone. I wanted that gone. There were a couple programs that we were doing that were really kind of out of my flow that I wouldn't throw around somebody else's neck and say, here, you got to do this. And so I eliminated them ahead of time, you know. And uh, there was just a couple people I had to sit down with and talk about kingdom loyalty. You know, I appreciate you love me and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you got to love Jesus more and you got, you know, right. you got to love the church more and get him. So I would say this as you're as you're looking at transition, even, you know, a couple years down the road, you begin to honestly identify, you know, things that you might be able to negotiate in your, in, you know, your more wisdom, more seasoning, maybe than a guy coming in. But saying, you know what, he's never rode that bike on that road before, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock this thing out. I'm gonna deal with this, or know that you have to deal with it. So, I think that's a, that's a great example and a, and a really good point uh, to you make there. And I could just say something along those lines, Pastor Keith. Also, again, our church was in great financial shape. We, we did have a little bit of debt, but we had enough money in the bank to pay that off anytime we wanted to. And again, that's a great blessing for me, being handed the baton. That's not something you're worried about mm -hmm. where, you know, we're sh we're, we're, we're sh our budget is so mm -hmm. tight because we're stretched to the limit. And again, that's one generation setting up the next generation of leaders to succeed, setting them up to win. And, mm -hmm. and I, again, I'm getting my dad's credit, and they, mm -hmm. he did a great job with that. Uh, we just did a transition meeting with five pastor couples. Uh, pastor Danny and his wife were part of that. We spent just a whole day together, five leader couples in NRP that are looking at transition. And one of the things that I counseled them to do was get a line item in your budget, no matter where you're at, and earmark that as a transition fund. Several of you guys have already done that, I think, right? Larry, you've, you're already dumping money in it, huh? Troy, you're doing it too? That's great. So, so I said, because transition is spelled money. Honestly, because uh, whatever you do, it's going to cost. And, and like, for instance, the whole thing of bringing you on for six months, that's an expense, you know, and, and I highly recommend that type of thinking because a lot of times, you know, it's, it's real abrupt and, it, and that abruptness can throw people off the ship on a quick turn that may have hung on. So you've got to think, you know, I need to be able to, to bring this person on. Uh, have some, you know, if somebody's coming in from the outside, uh, you know, there may be relocation expenses and housing expenses and, you know, they may be in a different, you know, like most of us going through transition, we don't have kids at home. Well, they got kids at home. Their expenses, like, you know, their needs for like things like insurance are different than mine, you know, you know what I mean? So we've got to be open to that and consider that. But if you have a war chest to work out of, it will give you some liberty to begin moving ahead. So even if you don't have a lot of money, ha have that transition fund opened and just call it a generation fund, put a vision name on it, whatever you want, and just start seeding a little bit. I'm a big believer in the, in the pond theory that if you create a pond, God will fill it with water, you know? So we dug a pond and the Lord rained in it, you know? And, and I've just seen this happen, I can't even tell you how many times in our life, you know? But vision should drive us, but where there's vision, then there comes provision, right? So these, these were good things. So let's get down to the nitty-gritty here, Pastor Chad. So ultimately, 
you've got a church with a pioneering father figure, your pastor, dad, who's had nothing but integrity and, and great, great fruit in his ministry, uh, people that are lives are radically changed through his leadership. Uh, how was the decision made in-house to put hands on you? Well, it was really kind of a very quick thing uh, because actually there was uh, someone else they were looking at who everybody kind of expected to take that 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 role. And, uh, but that person never really felt the, had the burden to do it. And uh, a very uh, a strong leader who's still in our church to this day. And, uh, and so uh, actually Pastor Joe Warner was involved in that decision. I don't see him in here. but Yeah, maybe you could take a minute and tell that story because I think that's significant, the prophetic role that's played. Yes. Uh, again, uh, again, uh, uh, we were raised prophetic, you know, our church charismatic, and so we d certainly believe in that. Um, I was, I was a missionary in Thailand. It's always been my dream since I was a teenager to serve the Lord in, in Thailand and in East Asia. Love what I did, planting churches among unreached people. Feel like you're on the cutting edge of the expansion of the kingdom of God. Love that. And uh, I was back f visiting uh, intern. Uh, what do you call that? Interning, but. Um, Furloughing, thank you. But say internment, but I know that wasn't it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's a bad thing in yeah, ministry. Yeah, exactly right. Don't be interned. Um, and, uh, but anyway, uh, and uh, I always would say my last Sunday I was in country to worship at my home church, and my dad was having some very serious health problems at the time. And I'm standing there in worship, and my dad couldn't even st stand up. He was saving his energy to preach, and that was never like him. He was always, we're going to go for God. We're all out, you know. And... Um, and God really just put a burden on my heart for my home church the way he did for in about Thailand 20 years before. Uh, but I already knew they were kind of considering somebody else for the job, so I didn't know what to do with that. And so I said, well, I'll get back to Thailand, get back to my own routine and what I'm doing, and it, it'll pass. It's just kind of a, I love my dad. It's a momentary thing, you know. And um, it didn't, and it kept growing stronger and stronger. So a few months later, Pastor Joe Warner was coming. He was already in India, and he was going to come visit me in Thailand and um, and speak with me there. And um, he said on the flight over, God told him, tell Chad I'm turning his heart towards home. And uh, hmm. he said, God, how do I tell a missionary of 20 years who's married to a national and has connections and live, you know, planting churches, whatever, how do I tell him it's time to go home? And uh, so anyway, it was a four-hour drive from the airport to back to where I was serving at. And so on the road, he and my dad are best friends, and we're talking about the whole situation, what's going on with our local church and, and my dad's situation health-wise and all of that. And finally, he just looks at me and says, well, Chad, you don't want to do it, do you? And he didn't tell me he heard from God, all right? He just said, Chad, you don't want to do it, do you? And I, I said, well, Pastor Joe, if you'd asked me this six months ago, I'd have told you I have no interest at all. But something happened to me at that last meeting and I've got all these desires and stuff start to bubble up and I don't know what to do with it. And so within a weekend, that weekend, by the, he was there with me that weekend, and by the next few days of that weekend, basically I knew this is happening, it's gonna be pretty quick, and it happened literally in less than a year. I was back home and, and, and working in the church there, mm -hmm. beginning the transition process. Mm -hmm. And how about internally with the elders? How did it, with you interfacing with them and with your dad once you moved back? Really, it was my dad who had those conversations with, with them before I was there, before okay. I was there. And, and they were excited that, you know, because the young men they were looking at really didn't ha have the burden. And so they were excited to hear, okay, here's Chad. Of course, they knew me. I grew up in the church. I was a former youth pastor there. And so they knew me and my ministry well. And so they said, okay, he has, he was interested. He wants it. 
we're on board with that. And then so when I first moved back, I basically laid out kind of like we, our conversation at, at the coffee house that mm -hmm. day. I basically laid out this is what I'm looking to do. This is what I'm looking to see accomplished in, you know, five years, ten years. This is where the direction I'm looking to go. And, you know, tell me now if this is not what you're looking for. So, you know, I'll, I'll move on, you know. And so uh, thank God they said yes. <laughs> and so here we are, you know. Uh -huh. So. But again, again, that was my dad preparing them for that, so that wasn't a out of the blue conversation. They were already bought into the process and just, you know, wanted to pray and make sure this was really the direction God was leading the Great. church. So I'm going to ask you two more questions, all right, and then maybe we'll take a minute or two and somebody else has a question. So if you were speaking to somebody like my age, you know, like your dad's age, it, it's really time for us, even if we still got a lot going on. I'm a big believer in passing a baton while you're still running. Amen. And I and I think I've just seen too many people like throw the baton as they stumbled. And 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 most of that's done out of a false loyalty to this is what God's requiring rather than, you know, really giving it to them in steps. So uh why did I say that? But anyway, what would you say to a senior guy like you know, like your dad and my my generation? What is from your perspective, what's the best thing they could do to get themselves and the church ready? Well, again, I would say begin talking openly about this as an eventuality, not, even if you're not sure when it is or who it is, so that your people are not blown out the water by it. But you can say, I want, you know, I want, you, to make I want you to know that the elders and I, or however <coughs> your church is structured, are praying about this, and we're considering this person very carefully, mm -hmm. and whoever this person eventually mm -hmm. is can be somebody who's trustworthy. I would say the second thing is to avoid the temptation of feeling like you've got to make wholesale changes if you feel like your, your time of effectiveness in that role is coming this to is an end. Elaborate on that, because you and I had a deep conversation about that. And again, my dad did a very good job with this. When our church went into a period of decline, as all organizations will do, uh, in, in its life cycle, uh, went into a period of decline where the church was gradually losing losing folks and growing smaller, and and um, he didn't make any wholesale changes. He didn't go out chasing the newest fad or the newest vision or embark on some huge uh, debt-ridden you know program or build a building or anything. He just he maintained doing what he knew God had called him to do until God brought that person who was going to take the, the the baton, and he trusted God in that process. And because of that. I didn't have to clean up a mess, and I didn't have a, a huge debt burden to take on. I got, how am I going to grow this church to pay these? Or debts? some some Ishmael program that you had to like fund now. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, you know, ex yeah. So so I just and again uh, because again I'm from the same DNA that he is because obviously he's my pastor. He <laughs> trained me, raised me both obviously in his home but also in the church, uh, trained me in ministry. We had honest conversations. We were able to say. This is, vi this is vital stuff, and this is non-essential is the word today, right? Non-essential. And this is the stuff that can be changed, whatever, but here's the core of who we are. And he and I were on the same page with mm -hmm. that. And uh, one of the, for instance, one of the things is, you know, he, he said from the beginning, do whatever you feel you need to do, but I want the presence of God in our services. That is something that's important to me. I share that DNA with him because I feel like if, if you're not experiencing God at church, what are you coming for? <laughs> you, you know, so we share that DNA. But, you know, really to the point, we've made a lot of changes in the three years I've been pastoring. But one of the things I have not touched is our worship 
team and what they do in the service. I've not changed the time on that. I've not changed how they repair or anything like that because that's a core value yeah. for us, and I don't want to meddle with that. They already got the presence of God. They know what they're doing with that. I don't want to meddle with that, and so we, we left that pretty much to, as he put it. You know, I travel a lot, and, and sometimes I'll be in an airplane or an airport, and I'll see some guy my age, you know, and he's got, like, dyed hair and skinny jeans, you know. And I just, I just want to say, man, you're trying too hard. <laughs> you, know, you see, you know what I mean? And, and, and I and think. And they're 50 years old. Yeah, 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 or, or older. Older, yeah. And sometimes I think that happens in the pastorate. You know, we, we see, you know, some great thing Mike Free's doing or, you know, some great church is doing or whatever, whoever it may be. And we think, oh, I'm going to try to do that. And it's just not us. It's not our time. And, and we're just trying too hard to make something. And you said your dad didn't do that. I remember, I remember you talking to me about that. And I was thinking, that is just so solid, you know, not to just produce an Ishmael out of something. And that was very key for us because I was able to come in and connect the new things we were doing with the core values and vision of who the church was and say to people, hey, look, who we are is not changing. The, the, the outward methodology and the way it looks may mm -hmm. change, but we're still going to be doing the core of who we are. That isn't changing. Maybe just changing methodology for a right. new generation, but, right. but the core of who we are doesn't change. Okay. Now, most guys stepping into their first pastorate chat are not going to have almost 20 years of missionary church planting experience. So just try to take that off the table for a minute. You know, what would you say to a guy in his 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever it may be, that is headed for their first pastor? Like, what's the, what's the best thing they could do today? Well, I would say first and foremost, avoid the trap of finding your identity in ministry. You, you don't have, my dad is, is a prophet. I am not as prophetic as he, I don't need to try to compare myself to him. God has created me to be who I am and I need to be okay with that. And so you don't feel like, you know, even though you're gonna have big shoes to fill in a sense, don't feel like you gotta compare it to that person. But, it, but I really, what, as Pastor Rick was sharing earlier and what our, our network is about, is about incorporating the different gifts and ministries. My dad's very prophetic, so we incorporate that. He came to me in the middle of worship this past Sunday and said, I got a word, we're gonna run with that. So he got up in, on the platform, he prophesied to the church, we prayed into that, we sang another worship song, and you know, we, we're embracing what he brings to our church mm -hmm. as part of his prophetic ministry and gifting. Mm -hmm. And so I don't feel like I have to try to be that because he already is that. Right. I just got to play the role God's asking me to play in this particular situation. Right. And so I would say that, that's huge right there to feel like don't think you're being intimidated to be what they are. You don't. In fact, you, if that person's still there of active in the church, feel in other areas where they aren't feeling it anymore so that, you know, so – um, so, again, and of course, obviously, in the whole situation of passing the baton, it's really important that we're honoring that, that gift that God has given us in the, in the role of that senior pastor who was the founding pastor. Amen. So let's take a couple minutes, just a couple quick questions, be just real clear again, you know, no backstory, just what's your question for Chad? Pastor Keith. greatest challenge was a question well inevitably there are going to be people who who are not going to go along with what you're doing and for me particularly my home church having known some of these people for decades 
and you know, it's different than what we've known. It's not what your dad did, and, I, and I, yeah, I understand that. And, and just not taking that personal and just saying it's where they are, and some people are gonna go along with this and others won't, and that's okay, and, and, and I mean, you, you changed the name of the church, Chad. I mean, yeah. isn't that sacrilegious? Well, Pastor Joe said if I didn't change, he wasn't coming back. <laughs> so, you know, I had to change. I blame it on Pastor Joe. No, I'm teasing. Um, yeah. So he made, he made some significant changes. I mean, not right out of the chute. That was about a year in, though. It was pretty. Yeah, about two. Yeah, about, about was two, it two? Yeah, okay. yeah. And again, part of that was trying to get a feel for our people how ready they were to make those changes. And so mm. uh, even though we did a six-month transition, I told my dad, I said, I feel, the year after that, I said, I feel like we're still in transition. I want you to still preach once a month. And, you know, and I want you to continue so that people help people make that jump and they don't mm. feel like too much too soon. Um, but it also helped our people to anticipate the changes that were coming. So they were ready when you were ready to make those steps forward. Amen. Somebody else have a question? Mark. The question was, how long did it take the church as a whole to embrace him as the new senior pastor? I would say um, probably a good year. And this is something I was very intentional about. It's what I call the Absalom principle. We know the story in the Bible with Absalom and King David. Absalom stood out in front of the palace and greeted the people as they came in, and he won their hearts. Obviously, that was a negative thing, his rebelling against David. But I believe there is a principle there. And so for the past two, almost three years now, I greet all my people at the door on Sunday mornings. I hug on them. I love them. I do my best to remember everybody's name. And I tell you, that one thing has won their hearts more than any sermon I've preached or anything else I've done. Mm. And, uh, and again, and so really, again, and, and that speaks to Pastor Rico saying somewhat also about culture, the culture we wanted to build in the yeah. church of being a loving, warming atmosphere. Right. Um, and so, so what I would say it probably took a, a year until they started saying, hey, I didn't see you at the door this morning, Pastor, where were you? I missed my hug. And, yeah. and you felt that connection. So, okay, now we're yeah. kind of gaining some traction here. Yeah. Amen. That's good. One more. Again, obviously about the core values of the church, no, the, those are, those are non-negotiable, you know, and, and he and I had conversations about that <laughs> coming in. Uh, but obviously there were some disagreements because he's from a different generation than I am and we're looking at things differently and we have kind of shifted our focus really going after new families, young families. And so, you know, again, some of those changes, he was like, well, it's not what I would do, you know. But again, he, he acknowledged the process. He was passing the baton to me. And he said, as long as you're not violating our core values, your methodology, you know, you're going to have to figure that out and, and live with it, good or bad. You know, you're going to have to ride that horse. So, so he gave us the freedom to do that and to say, okay, you know, the methods change and you got to do what you feel like you hear from God to do. You know, as long as we're on the, on the same page, core values, you know, we're good. Chad, in that context, do you think it was helpful to have guys like you know pastor joe's real close with your church pastor rod some other guys you know i'm known to your church but yeah. there's guys that are a lot closer like do you think that helped through that whole scenario in the in the church seeing that absolutely it's invaluable and valuable because you need those people as sounding boards and even somebody just to vent to 
because you don't always have that person, particularly as a senior pastor, you know, you can't always, you know, if you vent to him, you're going to feel like, well, I left the problem for you that you're fixing now, and he, he feels bad, you know, and so it's good to have somebody who's out of the situation that you can say, just pray for me, I'm going through a rough time, and, and that's, again, where the oversight aspect of NRP that, w that NRP provides is, is, you know, second to none and so valuable, and again, Pastor Joe Warner, I, I thank God he's an overseer of our church now because of that role he's played throughout this process. Amen. Well, I think way to give Pastor Jerry a hand. How about that? <laughs> and I'll, uh, I'll just, several of you have asked me, you know, at our last, uh, at our band of brothers in Chalmette, we had to talk about a very delicate church situation where there had been a morality. We had asked a pastor to step down. And I just want to give you a little update there. Uh, so, you know, Pastor Jerry lives about two hours away and so he committed to go up there for a couple months, you know, and so now he's committed for the next year. So he's traveling every week up there. And one raising Farron up right there, this young man right here, he's going to be the next guy in. And Pastor Jerry and Denise are going up there, and we've put together a whole launch schedule to where we, we basically shut the church down and uh, are, are revamping. We're relaunching. And Jerry's just doing like an incredible job of loving and ministering to these people through some terrible betrayals, you know, that happened. And uh, Farron and his wife are just jumping in, and, and God is all over it. So uh, the Lord is redeeming it. But just, again, that, that power of connection, you know, uh, I think it would be pretty ugly if there weren't some things connected there right now. You know, I don't know that there would be a church left. <laughs> yeah. So... Well, listen, seek Jerry out, seek Chad out. I mean, I, I just want to encourage you guys. If you think you're five years away, you ought to have an active plan. Just say it's not. It's, time has no virtue or value in and of itself. When you say, well, well, we're two years out, I say, oh, my question is, okay, well, what happens in those two years? Like, what's the timeline? It's like driving down the road, say I'm a day away. Okay, what, well, I'm, a day, I'm not a day away if I sit still. Right? right? <laughs> I'm a day away driving 50 mile an hour, but if I'm driving no mile an hour, I'm going to be a day away, a day away, yeah. right? So it's it's important to say what what are those timelines, and and you know they're always adjustable, but it's you know if you don't get halfway up the hill, that's better than not even know what hill you're going up, right? So this is this is good stuff, amen. amen. So uh, did you get good lunch? Amen. Amen. We'll come back tonight. I guess some of us are going to be waiting on our wives. I don't know how long they'll be, probably longer than us. But, Oh, really? Okay. Well, good. Well, I'll turn you guys loose, and uh, we'll see you tonight. Amen? Blessings. Thanks, Pastor Chad.